planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. As usual, my name is Mung, and I'm joined by my co-host here, The Los. Hey, everybody, Los coming at you. Uh, feeling patriotic, Mung? I am, but uh, I don't know if you could tell, uh, but I am seated in the studio as we were listening to that beautiful rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Very good. Always good from our uh, our own Chicago Blackhawks uh, singer. Uh, I, I actually didn't know it was coming. I was seated. Coco is, of course, standing at attention. She probably wants food. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so what what did you think about all the anthem protests? Uh, we'll, we'll move on to fantasy pretty quick, but I, I think it's a somewhat important thing to talk about. You know, I, I don't know that I've had enough time to really process it and channel it all. I, I it's just amazing to me that how how it's come to the forefront of things and how we've got tweets coming from this way and that way, all about a bunch of guys suiting up to hit each other and throw a football around. Yeah, as uh, the old adage, stick to sports, is slowly evolving over time, as we're seeing here. That's right. But regardless, I think uh, my personal viewpoint is, you know, do what you want to do. Uh, that's, that's why we live in this great country, and... Uh, that's that's all we'll uh, we'll say about that tonight. Let's uh, let's move on to fantasy now. God bless America. Let's talk some football. Yeah, and speaking of football, I believe uh, I won a bet that we made last week. Does that sound right to you? It sounds it sounds close. It sounds close. All right, we'll, we'll get you. If he had a touchdown, that's the uh, totally different game. Yeah, but uh, fantasy is all about the ifs, ands, and buts. And uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, I said he was not going to be a top twenty wide receiver in PPR this past week. And uh, as the Monday night football game is starting right now, while we're recording. Um, as of that time, he is the wide receiver 28 with a line of seven catches for 76 yards against the Patriots. Anything could happen. The week's not over. Um, all right, so <laughs> let's move on then. Uh, I will take that win since you seem very, uh, very sore about that one. But, yeah, well, uh, he, they, you win some, lose some. <laughs> but I think we all know where uh, where we're going this week for the Gillette close shave of the week. Maybe uh, to Gillette. Uh, indeed, you are correct, Los. Uh, yes. we, uh, we will give this great honor this week to none other than the greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady. After a grueling back-and-forth game between the Texans and the Patriots at Gillette Stadium, the Texans led 33-28 to with 2 minutes and 24 seconds left in the game. During this eight-place, 75-yard drive, Tom Brady had yet to cross midfield with under a minute remaining, but this was a non-issue as Brady wheeled the offense down the field and eventually found Brandon Cooks for the go-ahead touchdown to retake the lead with 23 seconds to spare. New England would hold off the Texans' offense to claim their first home win of the season. 
Get your close shave like Tom Brady with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same great blades, now for less. It, is it weird that I actually didn't have any worry that he was going to make that happen? I, I had every confidence in him that they were scoring that drive and the Patriots were winning that game. And I'm not bragging or anything. It's just that's just what the Patriots do. I think really that's what good quarterbacks do. Look at Aaron Rodgers against uh, Cincinnati on the last couple of plays of that that game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really, I mean, difference makers at any position, but those superstar quarterbacks will get you wins both in the NFL and in fantasy. That's right. Uh, speaking of uh, winning quarterbacks, how about uh, we bring it up to Chicago and talk about our, our uh, first win for Mike Lennon? Yeah, um, I, I cannot believe that, but uh, I'm not expecting the same kind of results this coming week. Chicago travels to Green Bay for Thursday night football. Uh, I, I don't think that's uh, we're going to see a repeat win there. No, Chicago pulled off a major upset at home versus Pittsburgh. Uh, they're playing good teams tough this year, but Green Bay has had their number for a decade. Uh, Glennon, 101 yards, one touchdown, one interception. No reason to start him with numbers like that despite the win. Uh, Jordan Howard looked really good, 138 yards, two touchdowns, uh, about 40 receiving yards, and a running back one this week in Green Bay. Um, Cohen still got 12 carries for 78 yards, two catches for 24. He's a solid PPR flex. They're using the, both these running backs very effectively uh, on the flip side they completed one pass to a wide receiver only one Deontay Thomas and they targeted anyone else sparingly at best um, Cohen owners are certainly hoping this keeps up uh, Adam Shaheen had his first touchdown hopefully there's more to come uh, some future for him here in Chicago big athletic tight end you know we can hope for it but nothing to worry about this year yeah and a quick game up here uh, game update here Jerron Brown with a touchdown that's that's quick yeah this uh this could be a fun little game here tonight um but yeah i agree with you on the Bears side i'm not really expecting a whole lot of fireworks i think really for fantasy you're just starting the running backs i can't imagine playing anyone else the wide receivers aren't doing anything right now and the tight ends are just all splitting snaps so there's no two there's no telling who might snag a touchdown week to week it was shaheen this past week but could be zach miller or Dion sims just as easily in week four on the other side of the football, you have a team where you start almost everybody. Uh, Green Bay pulled out a win, as they always do. This week, they should be healthier. Fire up Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, Adams, and Ty Montgomery, as usual. Now, Ty Montgomery had some trouble with pass protection this game and hasn't really seemed to improve that at all this year. But the team hasn't shown any signs of benching him or getting any other backs more work for now. Uh, the savior of this game was Geronimo Ellison. Six catches on eight targets, 122 yards, and set up that overtime field goal. If Cobb is still out, he's worth flex consideration in a deep league. Martellus Bennett has looked like garbage so far, despite being in most uh, in on most snaps. He's the sort of guy that'll try to stick it to the Bears because of some slight or whatever reason he can come up with. Uh, you know, I don't usually look his way as a fill-in, but I think he may actually have a solid week here versus the team that made his career actually take off. Well, more than that, uh, I think more importantly, the Bears have now lost both of their defensive captains to start the season. Uh, linebacker Jarrell Freeman and more recently, safety Quentin Demps uh, just broke his arm uh, trying to tackle Le'Veon Bell. Uh, it's going to be a tough to establish good communication pre-snap for this defense on a short week. And you're facing Aaron Rodgers. Um, this is this is bad news, Bears, right now. Uh, you're starting Rodgers, as you said, Montgomery. He should be a low-end RB1 or high-end RB2. Um, Jordy, obviously, and it sounds like Cobb 
might actually miss another week. So I think Devontae Adams gets a bump up to a low-end wide receiver too, despite not doing a whole lot against Cincinnati. Um, and to your point, I don't think Bennett is any more than a tight end too, even given the matchup, but he certainly has upside here. Um, and then Geron Geronimo Allison did most of his damage on that last broken play of the game where Rodgers caught the Cincinnati defense off sides and Allison was just able to get open for a huge gain, but I guess you could do worse than Allison as an upside wide receiver for flex play. Uh, certainly has the ceiling this week. There's nobody that's going to be out there covering him, that's for sure. Uh, give me the Packers in uh, in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I would love to see another upset in Lambeau, but uh, I will take Green Bay as well. Yep. Uh, on to New Orleans at Miami. Uh, don't forget, this is another London game, 7 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 Central time. Uh, Breeze was really good on the road against Carolina. He'll be fine uh, in London against Miami as well. 220 yards, three touchdowns on 29 attempts. Adrian Peterson got a little more groundwork and looked happy to have those carries, but they only amounted to nine carries for 33 yards, two catches for four yards. Not fantasy worthy. Kamara also got his share points, ripping a 25-yard run for a touchdown. But saw only one other carry for a total line of two carries, 37 yards, and a touchdown with three catches for five yards. Uh, the touchdowns are fluky. You can't rely on him until AP backs off or Ingram gets hurt or something goes on in that backfield, which takes us to Mark Ingram. 14 carries, 56 yards, two catches for 30 yards. The volume is there. He's a low-end running back, two in this high-scoring offense. In the air, Michael Thomas, seven catches on eight targets, 87 yards and a touchdown. He's an every week wide receiver one. Uh, Ten Giddon and Brandon Coleman are splitting the work, each, each with a touch uh, touchdown this week, but not a high volume of targets, and I don't see New Orleans having to air it out this week. I would avoid them both possible, especially with the impending return of Willie Sneed, uh, who I'm not throwing into my lineup right off the bat. Kobe Flaner just one catch, 21 yards, but he had a tough matchup versus Luke Keekley. Miami has allowed Hunter Henry seven catches for 80 yards. Austin Safarian Jenkins five catches for 31 yards. Flaner is a decent bet at production this week. Keep in mind, uh, none of this may matter. Both teams may not wake up from their flights to London, just like the Ravens this past week, and all have terrible games altogether. Yeah, we've seen some crazy stuff go down across the uh, Atlantic here in those London games. But, uh, yep. you know, I think really Adrian Peterson doesn't need to be rostered at this point. He's not uh, an important cog in the Saints offense. And more importantly, they just re-signed John Kuhn. So, you know, even if Adrian Peterson were to get a goal line carry, he'd probably get vultured by Kuhn. Um, That's then, what he does. Yeah, so I, I think that basically was like the last nail in the coffin for Adrian Peterson's value there. Um, speaking more jokingly, of course, but uh, for reals, Adrian Peterson doesn't need to be owned at this point. Um, and I like Tyler. I like Kobe Fleener as a tight end too here, but I do think his upside decreases significantly now that Willie Sneed is going to be back. Um, they're going to be sharing those targets over the middle of the field. And Snead uh, definitely should be owned. I think he's got flex, maybe even a uh, low-end wide receiver too, consideration depending on the matchup. Um, not necessarily this week, but uh, I do think if you need wide receiver help and he's out there on the waiver wire, uh, he's worth a pickup. As for Miami, uh, they had a terrible game against a terrible team. Just completely ugly. Jay did not throw, uh, he did not force the ball where it didn't belong. Only one turnover in these two games somehow for Jay Cutler. The New Orleans defense is not tough. 
So despite just six catches for 48 yards, Landry had had some uncharacteristic drops uh, out of his 11 targets. He'll be fine as a PPR wide receiver to this game. Uh, Devontae Parker continued to produce eight catches, 76 yards and a touchdown. He's arrived as a player in this league. Uh, Kenny Stills got 10 targets, but they were playing from behind the entire game and abandoned the run game, uh, which they should know better than to do. Jay Ajayi is a running back one this week in London. Yeah, I love this matchup. Uh, the Saints defense is just a sieve. Cutler's a nice QB streamer this week if you need help at that position. Um, Ajayi should do perfectly fine. And De- Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry are both wide receiver twos in PPR. The Saints defense just really can't stop anybody. Um, and really, um, even Kenny Stills here is a decent upside flex play. There's a revenge narrative here for him uh, being a former Saint. Uh, and like like we said, the New Orleans uh, secondary can certainly be burned deep, especially if they roll the safety coverage more towards Devontae Parker. There you go. Uh, I'm I'm going to take New Orleans in a game. I, I don't see how you lose by 20 points to the Jets and then compete uh, against a team that uh, just beat the, the Panthers. I disagree. I think we've seen oh. crazier things happen even this past week. And London especially, I think, just, you know, throws everything out the window in terms of logic and uh, common sense here. And I will take Miami. All right, here we go. Uh, Speaking about those Panthers, Carolina got down early and relied heavy on their passing attack, which unfortunately lost its top wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, We'll have to see how his status progresses. Uh, Christian McCaffrey unleashed the beast this week, going nine catches on 11 targets for 101 yards through the air, adding just 16 yards rushing. The rush numbers will improve, but the receiving numbers are great to see. He's running back two here in New England, uh, high-end running back two. Jonathan Stewart, just 12 carries for 57 yards, a low end flex for me uh, with Benjamin injured. Devin Funches had 10 targets for uh, 58 yards. I like him to be the benefactor here, especially in a week where Carolina will have to throw to keep up with new England's offense. Of course, I like him in the flex and I'd start him over Jonathan Stewart if needed. Uh, Ed Dixon just got one target in, uh, in Greg Olson's absence. They don't have an answer at tight end right now. So this may basically just be the, uh, the McCaffrey show episode two this week. Cam Newton is not startable for me at this point either. He has looked just awful. His his day was salvaged only by that rushing touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I said it a couple weeks ago. I think uh, Cam Newton is droppable. You don't have to drop him, but I think there are certainly better options out there at this point, or you can, you know, still stream him. I think this week he'll have an okay week, uh, seeing how much Deshaun Watson was able to do against the Patriots' defense with his legs. So it really comes down to his willingness to run around a little bit. Uh, That's really been a huge driver of Cam's fantasy production, you know, throughout his career, really. Um, for me, I actually have him as a mid to high end QB two this week. I think if you're um, in a spot where you need to start him, he'll do fine. Uh, again, the New England defense is not playing well right now, and I do think this will be another somewhat high scoring game. Um, and to your point, I like McCaffrey a lot too, especially if Dante Hightower is out again for week four. Uh, one of their defensive leaders certainly uh, will give him lots of room to operate in the middle of the field, those short yardage uh, passing situations. Um, and then I don't know. I, I still think I'd prefer Stewart over Funchess. Um, we saw that you can run on the Patriots. That defensive line is really struggling right now. Um, and then in terms of Calvin Benjamin, I think he's startable. Uh, it sounds like his knee got dinged up a bit, but uh, the initial uh, reports are that he's expected to play and that this should be a somewhat minor injury. Um, so I think Benjamin is a, is a worthwhile flex uh, as long as he's healthy enough to go in week four. 
Yeah, if, if he's if he's playing, definitely throw Benjamin into your lineup. Um, the New England Patriots said of the football, Houston really stepped things up, almost pulled off the upset. But Tom Brady was just making things interesting for us. He showed us what he can do with 380 yards, five touchdowns on the day. Uh, with Mike Gillisley, only 12 carries for 31 yards as they had to get away from the run game, and he has no pass game value whatsoever. And surprisingly, only five carries for 17 yards and one catch for 11 yards for James White, who you'd have expected to have a nice day from here. I tell you, the New England backfield is such a crapshoot. It's it's such a headache to deal with. And Rex Burkhead may be back in the mix this week as well. Uh, two touchdowns apiece for Brandon Cooks and, and uh, Kevin Hogan. And Gronk passed his 69th touchdown to get to number 70 and eight catches on 10 targets for 89 yards. I think you can start all three with confidence this week. Uh, Ted Ginn just showed us that this Carolina team is beatable deep. Yeah, I mean, really, Brandon Cooks finally blew up, but the only really reliable starters are Brady and Gronk. Um, both Cooks and Hogan right now, I think, are high-end wide receiver threes with lots of upside. But at the same time, these touchdowns are going to keep getting spread around. It, it could easily be Gronk with three touchdowns the next week, um, you know, Hogan with two for 13, something like that. Uh, and then same with the running backs, right? I think Gillisley is a low-end RB2. He could have anywhere from zero to three touchdowns per week. And then James White, I think, is still a flex in PPR. Uh, he's going to be that, you know, chain mover, that, that middle-of-the-field guy. Um, and again, everybody's ceiling is immense on the Patriots because we've seen that this defense really can't stop anyone. And there's going to be a lot of these kinds of shootouts this year. We've already seen um, Kansas city, um, Houston, like they've all put up a ton of points on the Patriots and this is unprecedented, but you know that Brady isn't going to just sit down. He's going to lead touchdown drives to match each one of their opponents. Injuries, injuries, injuries. You can't, you can't field an NFL team with practice squad players. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, regardless, I will take the Patriots. Yeah, I, uh, I usually don't bet against Tom Brady, especially at home. Usually not a good bet. On to Jacksonville at the New York Jets in the Meadowlands. The Jaguars may be better in London than they are in Jacksonville. Not that that's saying very much at all. Uh, I think this organization is very accustomed to making that trip to London. The staff knows just how to prepare. That's the only explanation I have with that 44-point explosion versus a good Baltimore defense. I'm still avoiding Bortles and considering Hearns and Lee as low, low-end prayers only. Uh, the big benefactor was Mercedes Lewis, who had both his first catch of the season and parlayed four catches into 62 yards and three touchdowns there will be some fab spent this week that's for sure just none by me uh, Leonard Fournette continues to be the stud back 17 carries 59 yards and the touchdown adding 20 yards through the air and I like him as a high-end running back too again this week uh, the rest of the running backs TJ Yeldon was a healthy scratch again this week Chris Ivory, though, split his portion of the downs with Corey Grant, and I don't think either of them are ownable whatsoever at this point. I don't know if you're trying to handcuff Fournette or if for any reason you might have had either of them. I, I would I would go ahead and knock them off my bench. Yeah, I don't think there is a handcuff Fournette. Uh, if anything were to happen to him, uh, and certainly we had that foot scare a, a little while back, but I think it would just be a messy committee. Um, but absolutely, you're starting Fournette as long as he's healthy, and this Jacksonville defense is going to destroy Josh McCown. Um, and for that reason, I really don't think Hearns and Lee are anything more than low-end wide receiver fours this week. Uh, there's just not a ton of upside, because I just see Jacksonville leading most of this game, if not all, um, and Bortles really not needing to throw more than like 10, 15 passes. 
Yep, uh, that, that pretty much takes us to uh, my analysis of the Jets' side of the ball. Uh, they showed up to play versus Miami, pulled out a win, but I, I don't really care to analyze it too much because Jacksonville's defense is going to destroy any momentum. Any momentum you think is building here. Uh, the Jets have a three-back committee and won't have much offensive time of possession whatsoever, so none of these backs are usable this game. Uh, Robbie Anderson had a fluky three-catch, 95-yard, and touchdown day. I'm avoiding all the pass catches this week here as well. I, I don't think there's any reason to start a Jet. Yeah, um, I do think there's a little bit to talk about here. So Forte uh, left this game uh, last week with a, with a, I think it was a toe injury, and it sounds like it's not serious, but um, keep an eye out on him because if somehow Bilal Powell were to become a workhorse sort of back, we've seen in years past that he has high-end RB2 upside in PPR, especially with that garbage time game script uh, with the Jets. Um, but certainly you don't want to start either running back this week against the Jaguars. Um, and then I think Curse is still okay. I think he'll be a, you know, a low-end flex in PPR just because I do think there will be garbage time opportunities and they'll start just hitting him for those three-yard gains every other, every other play. Um, and then similarly, because of that expected game script as well, I think the only slightly vulnerable part of that Jacksonville defense is over the middle. And tight ends have found some success against them. We saw Ben Watson get a touchdown. Um, this past week, and really the only other uh, Jets player I'd consider throwing into a lineup is Austin Safarian Jenkins. There should be plenty of garbage time, and the Jacksonville corners aren't going to allow a ton of curse and Anderson on the outside. I'd consider our Safarian Jenkins a risky tight end too, but with lots of upside in PPR. All right. Uh, well, the Jagu- uh, give me the Jaguars for this game this week. Yep, I will take Jacksonville as well. All right, keeping it in the AFC South, Tennessee played Seattle very strong, getting all over Russell Wilson with their pass rush. If they can get to Watson, this will be a disastrous game for Houston. Uh, Marcus Marriott, 225 yards, two touchdowns, a good day against a tough defense. This will be another test for him. Uh, He's a high-end quarterback, too, this week uh, because of his rushing and uh, efficiency through the air. Uh, Matthews and Decker stepped up, but I don't have them better uh, better than flexes this week against Houston. Murray He's a running back one, 115 yards and a touchdown this past week. And if Henry can go, no problem. He's a low end flex for me. He was having a nice day, 13 carries, 54 yards and 10 yards receiving, uh, but may have had a quad issue heading into this week. Looks like just a contusion probably, but we always get more information next day. Yeah. So after wrecking Seattle, I should feel good about Mariota, right? At Houston, but I, I just don't. I think these interdivisional games are always a weird dynamic and you know, divisional rivals always play each other close. Um, that said, I think Mariota is still a solid low-end QB1 for me in fantasy this week. And to your point, the quad contusion sounds relatively minor for Derrick Henry. I think a lot of Henry owners are disappointed after this week. Uh, there was a lot of hype that Murray might be out and that Henry was going to be the guy, and rightfully so. But I'm not sure that DeMarco Murray would have seen that much action this past week against Seattle if Henry hadn't suffered that thigh quad injury early in, early in the game. And I would actually do what you can to trade for Derrick Henry right now if any of his owners are a little disillusioned after week three. Um, I still don't think Murray is going to stay healthy all year, and Henry's workload is only going to increase regardless as the season progresses. And then for the wide receivers, I think Rashard Matthews is a flex option here. Decker, a wide receiver four. Um, you're still starting Delaney Walker, too, as a low-end tight end one. It sucks that Janu Smith vultured another touchdown here, but Walker is still the guy for Mariota. 
Um, but speaking of John U. Smith, he is an interesting tight end to watch in dynasty or keeper leagues, but I don't think he needs to be owned just yet in redraft. Yes, sir. Uh, another young player who's looking good for this year. A lot of rookies really making it happen this year. Um, on the Houston side of the football, speaking of another rookie, Houston was, sol- was solidly in the game versus New England, but they face a much tougher defense this week. Uh, Lamar Miller, 14 carries for 56 yards. Dante Foreman, eight carries for 25 yards. And I really don't like either this week. Splitting the work makes them both very low-end flexes for me against this tough run defense. Uh, Hopkins, as you talked about already, seven catches for 76 yards yards on eight targets um, but Tennessee is beatable with the pass if the line can hold up the pass for, to the pass rush um, for that reason I only like Hopkins as a mid to low wide receiver two this week I'm not touching anybody else yeah I agree both the running backs are just flexes uh, I do like Lamar Miller a little bit better um, but we are seeing Dante or excuse me Dante Foreman getting more involved now on passing plays as well um, yeah and I think I think uh, yeah, I can't talk right now but I do like Hopkins as well as a mid to low end wide receiver too this week. Um, and the one other guy, again, kind of like what I was saying with Austin Safarian Jenkins, if somehow, you know, if you think that Houston's going to fall behind early in this game, Ryan Griffin could be an interesting tight end in PPR if you need help at that position. Uh, with CJ Fedora's out, he's become somewhat of the safety blanket for Deshaun Watson. Um, should be a mid end tight end too for me here. And then Bruce Ellington is interesting too. I think he's worth bringing up at least but with will fuller expected back at some point i don't think he needs to be added i think he's going to be uh, an, an inconsistent play even without fuller and even more so once fuller returns all right that sounds reasonable to me uh give me tennessee and they will beat up houston after their strong showing against new england that was just a poor defense on new england side they're not going to find anything uh, similar to that at all I'm going to take Tennessee here too as well. But like I said, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. Uh, like I said, this these divisional games, they're just so hard to predict. And I think uh, teams come out really strong against their interdivisional rivals. All right. Speaking of another uh, divisional rival, here is the first showdown for the AFC North crown this year. And both teams are coming off embarrassing losses. Uh, Road Big Ben was very average in Chicago, only a 14 point day and quarterback two this week again on the road. Uh, Antonio Brown, 10 catches, 110 yards and a touchdown holding that first round value for you. You, of course, aren't sitting Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Martavis Bryant is more of a flex than a wide receiver, too, for me in Baltimore. Surprising he couldn't make that connection in Chicago, but that's not really affecting his ranking. Uh, Baltimore has been beaten this year so far by the likes of Seth DeValve, Dave Njoku, and Mercedes Lewis who have collected 150 yards and four touchdowns between the three of that pair. Imagine that. Uh, for that reason, I think this is a pretty decent spot start for Jesse James to stream in. Yeah, um, I think I like most of the Steelers just as much as you do this week. Uh, agree with pretty much everything you said there. I have no idea if like Big Ben needs his wife to cook him breakfast to play well at home <laughs> or something, but it's pretty clear that Antonio Brown's the only surefire stud in these away games. The ceiling is definitely lower for the rest of the offense, but you know, as you mentioned, you're still starting Le'Veon Bell, and I think uh, Martavis Bryant still has immense upside as a flex play here as well. And certainly Jesse James, especially with all the tight end injuries going on, uh, he might even be a low end tight end one at this point, but um, I won't be that bold just yet. And I'll, I'll toss him in as a high end tight end two this week. 
Yeah, I think he may just not be as comfortable in out-of-town uh, bar bathrooms, but I'll just leave that there to sit. Uh, <laughs> on the Baltimore side of the ball, this offense looked like garbage in London. There's a three-headed monster at running back with Alex Collins sliding in and stealing nine carries to West six and Allen's eight. Of course, West did come into this game um, injured. We weren't sure that he was going to make the trip all the way to London. Uh, Allen is still getting most of the passing down work, so I guess he's still a PPR flex. The other two are guys to avoid for me. Um, Collins looked good when he was in there. West was injured. I don't know what to put that and plug that into an equation and make it make it into something, make something happen. I don't know. Just just put in, uh, just just play Buck Allen only for right now. Uh, the passing game was awful, and Flacco got pulled. Granted, the Pittsburgh D is not the Jacksonville D, and this is at home. Uh, Macklin may still be a PPR flex if he clears the concussion protocol. And Ben Watson scored a touchdown, so that's a win for us. Nice job, nice job, Lawson Mung. Uh, avoid him this week just for the sheer unknown state of this pass game. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I like how you said, uh, how you phrased it. Terrence West, uh, we weren't sure if he was going to make it all the way to London. Like Baltimore was going like, <laughs> to push him out of, out of the plane over the Atlantic or something if he wasn't <laughs> good to go. Um, just a random thought that popped up. But uh, definitely uh, agree, uh, pass on this Baltimore offense right now. They looked awful without Marshall Aganda. Um, pass protecting and you got to remember that tj watt was out last week against the bears with a groin injury if he's back for the steelers d-line things could get messy quickly for joe flacco um, as you mentioned macklin a, a low-end flex in ppr i really don't love him this week um, even at home and, and buck allen uh, would be the preferred option of the three guys but really very little upside here and uh, by the way, the reason I do think um, the Pittsburgh offense will be uh, better than they were um, normally at Baltimore is the, the injury to, <coughs> excuse me, um, the injury to defensive end Brent Urban. He suffered a Liz Frank injury uh, in London last week when they were playing Jacksonville. And this is another big loss to uh, the Baltimore defense, which is already missing a couple of pieces now. Um, really, I, I think they'll still be all right at home, but... Definitely, uh, this things are falling apart uh, pretty quickly for Baltimore here. All that said, I will still take the home Baltimore team. John Harbaugh knows how to play against Pittsburgh. He's done it. He's won at home many times. You know, I think uh, I think Big Ben's wife is going to pack him a good sandwich, get him a good breakfast, and I will take Pittsburgh on the road. All right, uh, I, there we go. And then the rest of the AFC North is also showing uh, sh showing down this week for the uh, the basement of the AFC North. Uh, it happened a tad sooner than I would have wanted it to, but it, it is Joe Mixon time. Uh, not that he will necessarily be a locked-in running back too, but the new Cincinnati offensive coordinator is giving him the reins. Uh, here's your weekly look at the Cincinnati backfield numbers. Jeremy Hill, seven carries for 23 yards. Gio Bernard, three carries for 27 yards adding two catches for 12 yards and a touchdown and Joe Mixon. That was seven carries, three carries. He has 18 carries for 62 yards plus three catches for 39 yards. The carries are there and this should be a good week to lean on Joe Mixon. Uh, Andy Dalton was a bit better here, 212 yards, two touchdowns, but don't go rushing out to trade for him. He should be a decent quarterback too this week, but he has tough matches coming up. He still plays in the AFC North. AJ Green's a wide receiver one, of course, and the rest of offense really, the rest of the offense really did not do a darn thing this entire game 
Yep, it is Joe Mixon time. If you can still try and buy low on him uh, in a trade offer, maybe offer up like uh, a running back two or something like Isaiah Crowell or somebody who was really hyped up in the preseason and, you know, a wide receiver three if you've got depth. I think it's worth a shot. Uh, with Bill Lazor as the new offensive coordinator, clearly he wants to use shiniest toy here. And Mixon looks fast and elusive out there. Um, the other note on Cincinnati is I think you can drop Tyler Eifert if you were still holding on to him, uh, unless it's a really deep bench or you have an IR spot. It just sounds like Eifert's going to be out multiple weeks at least with this back injury. Yep, that stinks for him. I really like to see that guy get his career on track. He could be really, really good. Uh, on the Cleveland side of the football, Kaiser was bad against the Colts. B-A-B, bad. Uh, I'd avoid him regardless here versus Cincinnati, even if he looked good. Uh, rookies have ups and downs all the time. Isaiah Crowell, 12 carries for 44 yards, and I'm near giving up on him. This j just is not a good offense, and he's getting minimalized, even though he isn't sharing many of the carries. Uh, it's not a good sign to see Deshaun Kaiser get that rushing touchdown at the goal line. Uh, uh, Crowell's just a standard flex for me right now, and Duke's a reasonably decent PPR flex, and I'm avoiding all the pass catchers here. This is just a, a, a mess right here. I, I think the best bet is to have Rashard Higgins sitting on your bench if you paid for him. Don't put him in your lineup, but w sit and wait for him to emerge a little bit because I think end of the season, he will from here on have the highest uh, highest point totals of all Cleveland pass catchers. Um, by the way, quick game update here. I had Jerron Brown going in some DraftKings lineups and uh, nice. touchdown number two for him here. Uh, Barring the nice. flag. Oh, nope, it's coming back, holding on the offensive line. Unfortunate. All right, let's get one to Fitz for me, please. <laughs> um, so I, I think you mentioned that Kaiser did not play well, but I think it's important to note, uh, even though he was terrible on the field, he put up some great fantasy numbers. So important to make that distinction here. Um, I streamed sure. him in multiple leagues and it worked, but agree with you that this week isn't the greatest matchup for him against Cincinnati. Definitely a better defense uh, than the Colts. Um, just the mid-level QB2 here. And the Browns are clearly seeing Duke Johnson performing better than Isaiah Crowell right now. Um, to start the season, they were saying that Crowell might be a workhorse, but clearly that hasn't panned out. Um, I don't think you need to give up on him just yet, but certainly we're seeing Duke Johnson more and more involved. Should be a high-end flex play in PPR, um, and I would downgrade Isaiah Crowell to a low-end flex play here um, as well. But given that uh, you know he's still seeing the volume for now, um, you know I, I think he's fine to start. Uh, I can't imagine there's a ton of better running back options out there on the waiver wire at this point, and. You really just can't trust anyone else right now in terms of the wide receivers or the tight ends for the Browns. Well, hopefully owners have listened to us and picked up Chris Carson like four weeks ago, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I, I doubt he's still floating around out there at this point, though, unfortunately. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, give me Cincinnati on the road as Geno Atkins introduces himself to Deshaun Kaiser in a big way. I will take Cincinnati as well, and I think Bill Lazor is going to be good news for the Cincinnati uh, offense. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, best news for Marvin Lewis, who will somehow cling to that job for another few years. <laughs> Moving into the NFC North, uh, Matt Stafford had an average day against Atlanta, and I'd avoid him as a mid-range quarterback too in Minnesota. This Minnesota defense is good, and despite a larger share of the carries, I am avoiding Amir Abdullah this week, again in favor of Theo Riddick. Uh, Riddick with nine targets out of the backfield this week. Tate had a touchdown stolen from him at the goal line. Very controversial play to end that game, but at another what, advice, very nice. Not, uh, seven catch. 
on 11 target 58 yard in a touchdown day i look at him as a wide receiver two against minnesota uh look away from uh tate uh look away from uh that wasn't the right name. Galladay. Uh, oh my gosh. Jones. Yeah. Galladay and Jones this week. Sorry about that. Uh, Galladay Jones and Jones is what I was trying to say. Uh, and then we have not talked about Eric Ebron in a while. If you need a reminder why his line, this game was two catches out of his seven targets for nine yards. No reason to uh, pick him up in, in any leagues. Yeah, Stafford is an avoid as a fantasy QB2 going on the road to Minnesota. Um, but I do think Tate will be all right as a low-end wide receiver, too. He's still the go-to guy that Stafford looks to to move the chains. He's going to get plenty of targets in PPR. Um, and just a quick fun fact here, too. Golden Tate's not touchdown in Week 3 was actually uh, the five-year anniversary to the day of the fail Mary, that game where the Packers threw a touchdown to end the game in Seattle, but the replacement oh refs uh, inexplic inexplicably ruled it an interception by Golden Tate. So uh, I think karma's kind of a bitch here, huh? Wow, that's something. That's uh, that's pretty funny. Oh well, well, yeah. That's yeah. History history has a funny way of looking at us. Uh, as for the Minnesota Vikings side of the ball, the Vikings are looking nasty, just like just like real Vikings. Though I don't think we underrated uh, Case Keenum here. The Tampa defense was missing key players, including Gerald McCoy. Uh, Diggs is again a wide receiver one for me, and Thielen a mid-range PPR wide receiver two. Eight catches, 173 yards, and two touchdowns for Diggs, who who crushed the uh, the Buccaneers, and five catches for 98 yards for Adam Thielen. Delvin, Cork, Delvin Cook is a workhorse back, piling up 27 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown, plus five catches for 72 yards. I don't know the last back that I, I've seen get over 30 carry, over 30 touches in a game. I, it, it's been a while. Uh, he's a locked-in running back too here. The offense is scoring a lot more points than I thought it would be during the preseason. Preseason, which uh, surprising at least to me is that Kyle Rudolph has not really taken off in this offense this year, despite all the points. I, I really think it's just a matter of time. I have a lot of faith in his talent. Maybe when Bradford gets back on the team, he does utilize his uh, tight end a lot more than the other quarterbacks in Minnesota had been doing. Well, that's interesting because I think Kyle Rudolph, part of his production in PPR last year was the fact that the Minnesota offensive line just couldn't block at all with all those injuries. So Bradford had to get the ball out super quick and Rudolph was, you know, kind of that safety blanket. And I think this year we're seeing that with a healthy offensive line, um, whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Bradford, Case Keenum, or even Teddy Bridgewater potentially in week seven or eight, you know, they, they're going to have some decent time to set up plays and actually look downfield. So that might not be the greatest news for Kyle Rudolph and PPR leagues. He might just be losing out on a ton of those targets where they didn't have time to get the ball to anyone else. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, too, uh, in terms of Stefan Diggs, despite a really nice showing, Tampa Bay did not have their top cornerback, Brent Grimes, last week, and they lost key players on defense, uh, including, as you mentioned, Gerald McCoy. Diggs looks amazing, uh, but I would temper expectations a little bit, especially with Darius Slay uh, playing very well this uh, so far this year, limiting Julio Jones as well last week to seven catches for 91 yards. Obviously, you're still starting Diggs. Um, I have him as a high-end wide receiver, too, though. I would not put him in the wide receiver one category this week. All right, uh, and all that adds to a Minnesota victory for me. 
Yeah, um, again, I will take Minnesota here as well. But uh, as I mentioned with Tennessee and Houston, I do think this is going to be a slightly closer game than a lot of people are expecting. All right, uh, your LA Rams at Dallas Cowboys. Gurley is a locked-in running back, one for now, high-volume player in an offense that has been better than expected. If Watkins is healthy, I like him quite a bit against Dallas, a mid-to-high-range wide receiver, two for me. Uh, Cooper Cup is worth mention in that I wouldn't drop him. Uh, his volume will come at times. He's, he's probably best to be hung on to and then packaged in a trade after a good week or two. Um, but that, that's about as far as I'd go on his value for this season. Yeah, I think uh, Cup is just, you know, a bench wide receiver right now, fill in, um, definitely like Watkins, and I think, you know, obviously like Gurley, but I think Jared Goff is actually a very high-end QB, too. We're, we're seeing that Carson Palmer is finding success against this Dallas defense. Um, again, Orlando Skandrick leaving this game with another injury. And then we saw, you know, we saw Dallas really dominate Eli Manning uh, in week one, but we're seeing since then that that was really more so the Giants offense being terrible than the Dallas off uh, defense being better this year. So I, I do think that Goff is worth a start. Uh, Sean McVay certainly scheming up good offensive plays to put him in that comfort zone. And I, I wouldn't mind streaming Goff at all this week. All right. As for the Cowboys, uh, we will see how Dallas plays tonight versus Arizona. Not looking great thus far, but, you know, it's early. Uh, regardless of the outcome, barring injury versus L.A., Dak is a quarterback, two. Zeke is a running back, one. Dez is a wide receiver, two for me. And Witten's usage tonight will really shape how I see him going forward. Uh, I know we sort of diverge in our thoughts on there. Um, I, I don't think he's been targeted much this game yet, though, right? Yeah, so, you know, call me crazy. I think I have Ezekiel Elliott as a very low-end RB1 against the Rams. We're seeing that this Cowboys offensive line is really struggling a lot more than we expected this year. Those two losses are, are really hurting them. Um, they're struggling to run on Arizona. Granted, they're a very good defensive line, but the same with Los Angeles. Uh, they've got Aaron Donald uh, holding down the middle there, and I think he's going to be a monster, and I just... I think you're still starting Zeke, of course, but I, I don't think he's going to be that dominant top three guy that everybody thought he was going to be this year. I agree. You probably don't own anyone better than, well, I guess depending on when you drafted, you, you may own actually multiple people better than conceivably you could have like Le'Veon Bell and Kareem Hunt um, on your team and uh, Zeke. So I guess that's possible too, huh? Yeah, I mean, if you're if if Zeke's your uh, running back three, you're definitely sitting pretty. I think. That's, well, yeah, unless you never drafted wide receivers, but you know, I digress. Uh, give me Dallas in this game here. I will take. Ooh. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the safe route and take Dallas here, but I think this will be another fun game. It, hey, we've had a lot of fun games this season. All right, Buffalo at Atlanta. Speaking about a fun, speaking of, uh, talking about a fun game, Buffalo came out strong and upset the Broncos. Taylor had no interceptions and put up a 17-point day with only 13 rushing yards. Who saw that coming? He should be a high-end quarterback, too, here versus an offense that should put up points, making him have to put up points himself. Uh, McCoy's a running back one, getting points receiving, despite being limited to under 30, 30 yards rushing. Uh, this guy just keeps making it happen. Charles Clay has been getting solid target numbers, but there are options I like better this, this week. Uh, we really have to avoid the Buffalo wide receiver situation for now until somebody breaks out in a bigger 
your way or Tyrod starts taking more chances downfield. Uh, I, I think Tolbert is a must own handcuff for McCoy owners in all size leagues. McCoy really just is the is the person this offense goes through. And I, I think they're going to make Tolbert be that guy, just like they made uh, Williams the year before and uh, the other Williams the year before that when McCoy had timeout. Yes. Yeah, so serious question for you here. If you own Ezekiel Elliott and the LaShawn McCoy owner offers him straight up uh, in a trade PPR, what would your thoughts be? Yeah, I would, I would, I mean, it, not a dynasty, right? Just a redraft. No, no, redraft. Yeah. Yeah. I want McCoy this year. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, if that's something that you could make happen, I think a lot of people, you know, McCoy's had some ugly games, but uh, he's the clear workhorse. Um, and I think Dallas is going to struggle again, I think more than people realize, especially with when you look at their division too. the Philadelphia defensive line is a monster. The Giants aren't a pushover. Um, and then Washington uh, played really well against the Oakland Raiders offensive line, too. So I would I would rather take McCoy in PPR right now. McCoy has a couple of matchups coming against that Patriots defense, too. Indeed, he does. All right. For Atlanta, Atlanta faces a strong defense here, but their offense is too good, really, to question. Uh, Ryan's, Ryan's low end quarterback one. Freeman had a great day in Detroit, 21 catches or 21 carries, 106 yards and a touchdown, plus three catches for 32 yards. He's a running back one. Tevin Coleman, six carries for 46, plus three catches for 43. A flex again this week. Julio Jones, seven catches on 12 targets, 91 yards, a wide receiver one, of course. And again, Sanu and Gabriel, very, very close for me, each getting six targets this week. I don't love either in this matchup against Buffalo, and it's a shame, but Austin Hooper just isn't ownable in fantasy for now. Uh, Don't waste the roster space. He's had just two targets in every game this season so far. He's too talented for that. Yeah, the one note I'm going to add here is uh, if I were to own uh, Sanu or Gabriel, it would definitely be Sanu. I think he's more involved in the red zone. And also, um, Julio Jones had a back injury. It doesn't sound serious at all, but we've seen, again, in prior years, if anything happens to Julio, Sanu becomes that number one guy. And I think uh, he's the preferred uh, of the wide receivers uh, behind Julio Jones. All right. I will take the Falcons at home. I will take the Falcons as well. All right. On to another set of birds. The Philadelphia Eagles roll into uh, L.A. at the Chargers Stadium for 4 o'clock Eastern time game. Philadelphia eked out a win in a game where they were really dominating until late when the momentum shifted on a big fumble from Zach Ertz. Uh, Lynn Collins forcing that. The Chargers defense scares me in no way whatsoever. Once it would be an okay option as a quarterback, too. The offense just needs to find its identity. Uh, this week, LeGarrette Blunt with 12 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown after zero carries the week prior uh, Sproles is out for the season now with an ACL tear and a wrist injury, which will open the door for Wendell Smallwood. He'd be the appropriate ad there. Uh, 12 carries for 71 yards for Wendell Smallwood this past week alone. Uh, Corey Clement also had a nice 15 yard run for a touchdown during this game. I don't think he's going to get enough looks to warrant an ad even at this point. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey four catches on eight targets for 56 yards should be a mid mid low range wide receiver two in LA. Ertz is a tight end one for me every single week. Eight catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown versus the Giants. There is no exception here versus the Chargers. Yep, I think, uh, you know, and Alshon really, he had a nice day, uh, but he had a lot of missed opportunities. He had a drop, um, and he had an overthrown ball deep where he was 
he had a lot of steps on the defender, and I think he'll be a solid wide receiver too um, this week, especially with Jason Verrett out. I, with, I think it's the MCL sprain for quite a few weeks still. Um, mm-hmm. And as you said, uh, Zach Ertz, he's basically like a, a discount Travis Kelsey in PPR right now, just getting a ton of targets, clearly an integral part of this offense. Um, and then in terms of the running back, we'll definitely talk about Wendell Smallwood in the waiver wire edition section at the end. Uh, he's definitely worth a pickup. Um, as you said, Darren Sproles is out for the season, tore his ACL and broke his arm on the same play. Very sad to see. Um, hopefully this will not be the last we ever see of Darren Sproles. Um, but we'll have to wait and find out about that. Uh, the one other thing is, uh, you know, mostly we talk about um, waivers in terms of fab bidding. Um, I think a lot of leagues have moved to that, but there's certainly a ton of leagues out there that still use waiver priority. I would not burn a, a high waiver priority for Wendell Smallwood. One, I do think it's going to be a committee. And two, I think there's a, there's a potential that he might be dropped after this week um, simply because I think this is a poor running matchup uh, against a good Chargers defensive line. And, uh, you know, if the owner that picks him up is a little fickle, you might want to just wait and see if he hits the waiver wire again after next week. I agree. I, I don't see myself throwing down more than 5, five 8% of my fab or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, uh, you know, maybe like 10% at the most. If you're desperate, if you're desperate. Uh, as for the Chargers, Rivers was really bad against a good defense in Kansas City. Three interceptions, zero touchdowns. Better days are definitely ahead. This will be one of those better days. Uh, could be one against this banged-up Philadelphia defense. But you won't find me starting him regardless. Uh, Keenan Allen, just five carries, 61 yards. Five catches, 61 yards on nine targets, which will always be there for him, keeping him a solid wide receiver two option. Uh, Travis Benjamin, five catches on eight targets for 105 yards. He's a bit too fluky for me, but there could be a decent weekly option for him here. The Giants found a hole in this defense with Sterling Shepard. Uh, whether it's due to injuries or not, it may be open this week as well. And Travis Benjamin may be in that spot, or I, I think it's more like than that than Keenan Allen is really the benefactor there of those injuries. Uh, Antonio Gates, two catches for 30 yards, while Hunter Henry went without a target this game. Uh, Give the kid a chance, guys. I don't know. That can happen to anyone. Uh, Melvin Gordon's a locked-in running back one, of course. Yeah, so I haven't done enough injury research on... They had a ton of injuries on the defensive side, but the early reports seem to be that most of them are minor, um, which is good news for the Eagles, bad news for Phillip Rivers. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know how to feel about the the tight end split here. Um, you're starting Melvin Gordon. Certainly, um, he had his. Uh, it sounds like a bone bruise in his knee that uh, he left the game and came back. But it sounds like he'll be good to go week four. Um, Brandon Oliver, a guy to keep on your watch list if anything were to happen to Gordon. But uh, really, I, I mean, you're starting Keenan Allen, and then Tyrell Williams will be a flex option, as will Travis Benjamin. Um, I will. You know, I think I'm going to take Philly on the road here. I'm actually going to take the Chargers. It's non-scientific. This is the hardest game for me to pick this week. But uh, they're at home, and they can't go 0-4. I, I just, they, they can't do that. Really? You know, right? This is an NFL franchise. They have actual athletes on this team. I, I think they can and will go 0-4. <laughs> Probably losing in a crushing defeat, Chargers style in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, like a missed field goal to try and tie it and send it to overtime or something like that. Or you know, you know, yeah. the, the worst thing too was at the end, at the end of the play there, or at, I'm sorry, at the end of the game against the Chiefs, 
um, they had that terrible play where they didn't manage to get out of bounds, and they basically they should have been able to run two or three more plays, but they only got one. It, the coaching is terrible for this team. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, you, you you need to identify that the players don't have a clue what they're doing out there, and they haven't for a year and a quarter now. So you need to coach them and teach them how to play the game of football. That's all there is to it. I, I mean, I think it's a it's a combination of three things. One, to your point, the the management of this team. Um, two, Philip Rivers is giving up turnovers uh, in stupid situations where he really just is is finding his inner Jay Cutler. Um, and then three, you yeah, know, they keep, they're constantly bitten by the injury bug and just terrible luck with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good team. I hope they get some wins so that the Bears have a better shot at a good pick. That's really all I'm crossing my fingers for. <laughs> All right. Speaking of a team that won't have many wins, San Francisco heads into Arizona. Carlos Hyde came out with 25 carries for 84 yards and two touchdowns, keeping him firmly in the running back two radar against a good Arizona defense. Garcon is getting the targets with seven catches, 10 targets, 142 yards here. But this is a very touch, uh, tough matchup against a good secondary. I don't know how Arizona is going to match up. He'll be locked down if Peterson follows him, but I don't, he's not a stud wide receiver. I don't expect that to happen. The rest of the secondary is good enough to limit him. I would avoid this week despite his success in LA. Uh, that's all you'd want to touch here on this team, unless the entire Arizona defense gets hurt versus Dallas tonight. Yeah, my guess is, you know, the same as your train of thought. I don't think Peterson's going to follow because Garcon's not that dominant wide receiver one that you need to try and shut down. Um, so for that reason, I think he'll still be an okay flex play in PPR. And certainly, even though this is a poor rushing matchup for Carlos Hyde, he's just so involved and he's going to get catches too. And I, I think he's still a decent mid-range RB too. Yep. Uh, for Arizona, it looks like Chris Johnson has somehow found himself falling back into the uh, front of a committee. I do my best to avoid it as the wheels could come off at any second, but he doesn't, uh, but he does not have a bad matchup here versus San Francisco. I guess that makes him a solid flex option or something like that. Uh, Palmer should be fine is actually a low end quarterback one for me this week. Uh, we need to see tonight's game to form a full opinion, but I, I think the wide receivers end up something like Larry's a wide receiver too. Uh, Nelson is a high end flex. Although Jerron Brown, that's, that's the guy that makes me worry about Nelson. I think Larry will always get his, but it's either Brown or Nelson. Yeah, I mean, Fitz is doing well so far tonight. Already seven catches against this defense. Uh, I think awesome. he'll, he'll be a decent uh, mid to low end wide receiver too here. Um, and then, yeah, I, you know, to your point, John Brown got the touchdown early in this game. Could have had another, um, but J.J. Nelson certainly could have is that deep threat and could get those big plays as well. Um, both of those guys are, are, you know, flex plays with, you know, boom or bust basically. And uh, it looks like Andre Ellington's getting a little bit more involved in the passing game as well. Already two catches for 37 yards. So at PPR, it's really a toss-up whether Chris Johnson gets a touchdown or Andre Ellington catches like five for like 50, you know? I hate it either way. Solid team, though. They should win this week. Yeah, we will see. Uh, I will take Arizona as well. All right. Uh, New York Giants at Tampa Bay. This was actually the toughest game for me. Uh, the Giants offense finally... <clears throat> Excuse me. 
<coughs> sorry, still not 100% yet from last week. Uh, the Giants' offense finally came to life. They only needed about a dozen injuries to the de- uh, Eagles' defense and a monster day from Odell Beckham to make it all happen. Oh, and they still lost anyways. Eli benefits from the talent around him, but I don't like him more than a very low quarterback two or three. Uh, the running game looks just awful. If Gerald McCoy's healthy, I wouldn't touch it. If he isn't, this defense just allowed 170 yards rushing to Minnesota, but I still wouldn't know if I'd want Perkwin, Perkins or Darkwa. If Dark was healthy, he may overtake Perkins this week. He has looked like hot garbage. Uh, Odell Beckham is a stud, but the other receivers also had great days here. Sterling Shepard, seven catches, 133 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Marshall, eight catches for 66 yards. And Evan Ingram, five catches for 45 yards on seven targets. Uh, Shepard and Marshall are still just flex options for me with flex options for me with Marshall still getting the edge for me. And Ingram is not a starter yet. He keeps getting consistent action. He may not be a stud this year, but I think his future is very, very bright. Assuming that after Eli, he can find a good quarterback to play with. Yeah, I I mean, Darkwell left that game with a back injury. It sounds minor, so he should be back this week. But again, the Tampa Bay defense, not the worst in the league. Um, I just There's just no running game here, and it's a committee. And I just, I wouldn't trust starting any of these guys. And really, I mean, Eli looks good, but like you said, Philadelphia lost half of their defense and their secondary was never great to begin with. Um, for me, it comes down to whether McCoy and Brent Grimes are going to play this week. It's really kind of dependent on those two. I think that's going to be big matchups to watch. And if Grimes does play, I mean, I think he'll do a decent job on Odell Beckham. Certainly won't shut him down by any means, but we'll definitely be able to limit him somewhat. Yeah, unfortunately for the Giants, they do not have anybody on that roster that could limit Mike Evans in any way. Uh, Tampa got beaten up in Minnesota, by Minnesota. Evans was held to held to seven catches, 67 yards, right? Like, that's a terrible day. Still a fine day. Not going to tank you by any means. He returns to star wide receiver status this game. But the Giants defense is tough uh, otherwise. Quiz has been ineffective on the ground, and I don't expect much better here. Uh, the line will get to Jameis Winston, but he'll be bailed out by his tall pass catchers I think this game uh, Deshaun Jackson four catches 84 yards and a touchdown Humphrey six catches 68 yards I, I guess the numbers are there but neither of those two guys do anything for me especially in a PPR league yeah I actually disagree here I think it's going to be a tough day for Mike Evans um, my, my guess is they're going to put Janoris Jenkins uh, in shadow coverage on him much like Jenkins has done on Des Bryant when the the Giants meet the Cowboys and per PFF actually Janoris Jenkins targeted six times this past week only allowed four receptions for just 38 yards um, this is a tough matchup especially for the type of receiver that Mike Evans is those 50-50 jump balls uh, I, I mean you're still starting Evans but I wouldn't expect a huge day here I, I think he's just a low end wide receiver one again this week um, and certainly Jaquiz just a low end flex this this <laughs> ground game uh, really needs Doug Martin because Jaquiz Rogers is okay, but he's just a guy. And I think Martin is the spark that this Tampa Bay team is going to need to get some wins. All right. Uh, I think this is a really tough game to call. I have Tampa Bay, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take the giants on the road here, actually. All right. Try and make up some ground on me. Uh, here we head into the AFC West Oakland at Denver. 
The Washington pass rush really got to Derek Carr, holding holding him to 118 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Just a great effort from the Washington defensive line, and that'll happen sometimes. It doesn't scare me off this team. I wasn't starting Carr versus Denver regardless. Crabtree and Cooper are still low-end wide receiver twos for me. Maybe high-end wide receiver three is the, the difference is minimal really here versus Denver. And Lynch is a running back two for me this week. Uh, Denver has played the run a lot better than they did last year, that's for sure. Uh, they have, however, struggled against tight ends again last week versus Clay. Uh, this should be a decent week for Jared Cook, who's on the field the vast majority of plays, going four catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown versus Washington, as long as he doesn't get a case of the dropsies like that, that plagued him early in his career. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay away from Jared Cook. Um, he's been getting a large target share, but he's been so inconsistent his entire career. I'm going to leave him on the waiver wire for at least another week or two. If somebody else wants to grab him, they, they can go ahead, unless I'm desperate at tight end. I just don't trust him yet. Um, and then in terms of Derek Carr, definitely would uh, I would definitely recommend benching him as a Q, QB2 in fantasy this week. Um, we're going to do a quick throwback to our preseason show. Um, a stat that I brought up, um, his splits uh, against non-divisional matchups uh, versus uh, his splits against AFC West opponents. So against all other divisions, he has 66% uh, completion, 288 yards per game, uh, 2.4 touchdowns per game, and 0.3 interceptions per game. That comes out to about 25.7 fantasy points when he's not playing AFC West opponents. Um, when he is... Uh, he, he averages 59% completion, 211 yards, uh, 0.8 touchdowns per game, 0.6 interceptions per game, and averages 8.4 fantasy points per game. Um, you do not want to start Derek Carr here, folks. The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for Derek Carr at Denver. Uh, Trevor Simeon came back to earth versus Buffalo, but he finds himself in another good matchup this week. Uh, a low end quarterback one high end quarterback two, which I never saw coming. I never thought I'd, I'd say the phrase quarterback one and, and Trevor Simeon in the same sentence. His play is keeping both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders solidly in the wide receiver two conversation. Uh, CJ Anderson, only eight carries 36 yards with two short catches and Jabal Charles earned another 10 touches for 57 yards. I don't love this committee, but CJ should be fine against Oakland this week. Uh, there's no tight ends to watch out for yet on this team. Benny Fowler still getting those targets that would go to a, a tight end on some more classically run teams. Yeah, I, I would go back to Trevor Simeon this week, uh, but clearly he just made some poor decisions last week, throwing across his body and just not making great decisions at all in that game. Uh, if he can kind of go back to that Mike McCoy, uh, you know, and just do what McCoy tells him to and not try to create too much on his own, I think he'll be okay. But uh, certainly, uh, hopefully this Denver D uh, offense, excuse me, will bounce back at home. Uh, this will be another really fun game to watch. Um, and then just side note, that Von Miller penalty was possibly the stupidest thing I've ever seen where he <laughs> pretended to help up uh, Tyrod Taylor and then, you know, just, you know, did the little uh, head wave or the, what do you call it? Like where you run your fingers through your hair instead. Um, he gave him the old Ric Flair is what he gave him. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, but yep. I can't believe the ref, uh, you know, threw a penalty flag for unsportsmanlike conduct for that. And then we also saw the, the dumbest celebration this week in the game prior uh, that we talked about with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. getting out all fours and crawling around like the on a dog like a dog, and then picking his leg up to 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 pee on the uh, Eagles fans. That's a real good one, real creative celebration. 
Yeah, but at the same time, you know what? If if Odell Beckham's going to keep scoring amazing touchdowns like that, I, I think I'll let it slide. Well, they, they didn't. They got him 15 yards. Uh, Indianapolis, did, did we call, pick this game yet? Denver, no, not right? yet. Yeah, I, I will take Denver as well. Although I, I could see people picking Oakland after Denver's loss to Buffalo. Uh, Indy at Seattle, Sunday night football. The Indianapolis offense scored 31 points against the Browns last week, and Brissett had 15 points on his own fantasy. Uh, this is not Cleveland. These are not the Browns. This is an angry set of birds who attack the pass game hard. Uh, Ty may see another nine targets, but there will be no 153 yards and there will be no touchdown. He slides to a low end wide receiver too for me. And the other pass catchers are not startable. Uh, Frank Gore did have 25 carries, 57 yards and a touchdown. And I think this team will continue to get him at least 15 to 18 touches. So he does not belong on your bench. Just he's not an up high upside running back. Uh, that said, if they get blocked, out prepare to see some Robert Turbin action this is just what they're doing to preserve him this year yeah um certainly don't love anyone whenever they go to Seattle and play them uh but you know T.Y. Hilton he'll see a ton of targets I think he'll be a high-end flex play or a high-end wide receiver three um and then Frank Gore too high-end flex play because I do think the way you want to try and beat Seattle is you want to not let that pass rush destroy your quarterback and you want to try and run it on them um, we saw Carlos Hyde do pretty well uh, a couple weeks ago. We saw um, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry combine for some decent yardage. And I think Gore should have a, a little bit of upside, even in a tough matchup. Very, very tough matchup here. Uh, the Seahawks fought hard but lost a tough game in Tennessee. Wilson, 373 yards, four touchdowns. I expect him to try and continue that momentum. Uh, the, the running back question looks like it has an answer finally, and that answer is Chris Carson. He should be a workhorse this week and a definite running back two option, showing good hands in the backfield, uh, backfield hauling in both targets for 18 yards on top of just 11 carries for 34 yards. But they got away from the running game when it became Wilson time versus Tennessee, which they desperately needed. Uh, Doug Baldwin may not play this week, so keep an eye on that progress. If he doesn't, I think Richardson and Lockett both end up with good value as wide receiver three plays. Uh, Jimmy Graham went seven for 11, 72 yards, and could have had a touchdown this game. Uh, he, he did look very solid. Yeah, I actually, I don't love Chris Carson this week. I think he'll be a fine, you know, low-end running back too. But at the same time, even though everybody likes to joke about this Colts defense, their defensive line and their run defense is actually pretty decent. It's more so their secondary and their pass defense that really struggles. Um, so I, I would limit uh, the upside here for Carson. Uh, I definitely love Doug Baldwin. Um, we'll wait to hear... Uh, more reports on that groin injury because there have been conflicting reports as to the severity of it. Um, so certainly if he's healthy and, and starting, you're going to play him. Um, if not, definitely a big bump for both Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett. These are both guys that can burn you deep, and we've seen that the Colts give up a ton of big plays. That's right. Uh, for that reason, give me Seattle in a game where they're going to play angry. They were very mad last game against Tennessee. Richard Sherman, Bennett, all those guys getting very angry, going to play very tough. And Indy, the, the culture of that team is so soft. We know that back from deflate gate. <laughs> I like that little mention there. Um, I do like Seattle a lot as well this week, and I will take them. Uh, just one quick note, though, uh, the Seattle offensive line, allowed 24 quarterback pressures last week against Tennessee. Um, and especially it was really apparent how awful they were on that one play where I think it was like a third and 22 or something. 
or third and 24 or something like that. And Russell Wilson barely had three seconds to throw uh, despite only facing a, a three-man rush. Uh, I think that's the best indicator of just how bad this offensive line is right now. Yikes. All right, let's move that's on it. to Yikes. Monday Night Football. Then. All right, Monday Night Football, Washington at Kansas City. Kirk Cousins finally had a good week against a mediocre defense, 25 completions off of uh, 30 attempts for 365 yards and three touchdowns. He faces a much tougher test here in Kansas City. I think he's up for it. Uh, Chris Thompson was the start of the offense, eight carries, 38 yards, and six catches on seven targets, 150 yards and a touchdown. He may be in line for more work if uh, Samaj... If I wow, I can't do that. Perrine injured his hand on that fumble, which looks like he may well have. Uh, Thompson's a low end running back right now, despite the huge game. Uh, Vernon Davis went five for five, 58 yards and a touchdown in Reed's absence. He is a good tight end one if Reed cannot play again this week. Unfortunately, it's another night game, Sunday night this week, Monday night this coming week, making the decision very difficult for you if you own Reed but not Davis, having to wait until game time for them to decide what you're going to be able to do, locking most of your bench spots probably. Uh, Crowder, so be prepared for that, please, because I wasn't. Uh, Crowder is a flex, but Terrell Pryor has yet to find his way in this offense. I just can't justify him as more than a wide receiver for until he shows better rhythm with Kirk Cousins. And Josh Doxson came up with a huge play finally, which may even muddy the situation and muddy the waters for Pryor even more than it already has. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people who were super high on Pryor, and I didn't hate him going into the preseason, but I, I certainly wasn't on board with him being a wide receiver too. And that, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people drafted him as. Um, don't love him uh, against uh, probably Marcus Cooper. I don't know if they're going to shadow here, but uh, probably not. But definitely Josh Doxson, his dynasty stock is rising. Um, but redraft-wise, I think you're still tempering expectations. He had one really big play. Uh, he's still just a wide receiver for right now, especially this week against a very good defense. Um, and then we'll see what happens with uh, Samaj P. Ryan and Rob Kelly, if either of them are healthy enough to play. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I'm still uh, getting over that cold as well, uh, much like you, Los. Um, Jeez, good luck. But yeah, I think uh, Chris Thompson, actually a, a low-end RB2 right now in PPR, given that his usage is just so high with all the other running back injuries, I think you keep riding him um, for right now, but I do expect uh, those touchdown numbers to come back down to earth. Those are uh, very, uh, those long touchdowns are not going to be happening every week, especially not against the swarming Kansas City defense. Um, and then the one other thing, too, I think Jordan Reed will do really well uh, if he can play this week. Um, we saw that uh, without Eric Berry, there's some, there's definitely a lot of opportunity here for the tight ends. And then, in terms of Vernon Davis, depending on the site that you play on, um, something to keep in mind here. On Yahoo, you can add players and drop a bench player even if that bench player has already played that week. So that is a potential um, you know, option for you to consider if you own Jordan Reed, um, if you're willing to roll that dice and uh, assuming you know Vernon Davis isn't going to get picked up by any other teams, uh, but just something to keep in mind there. That's a nice little, uh, nice little wrinkle to the game that uh, 
I didn't actually know. Wish I did. I wouldn't have dropped who I dropped. Anyways, uh, in Kansas City, <laughs> Kareem Hunt continues to be a monster. 17 carries, 172 yards, and a touchdown, plus one catch for 11 yards. Just a little cherry on top. He's a locked and loaded running back one. This guy is a top five running back this season. And uh, wow, just imagine how this would have looked if uh, Spencer Ware never got hurt in the preseason. Uh, Tyreek Hill, five catches on eight targets, 77 yards and a touchdown, a low end wide receiver one for me this week versus Washington. Um, and not a whole lot else happened this game for this offense. I, I don't think that he's the type, kind of receiver that uh, Josh Norman is going to follow around the field. Uh, J- Travis Kelsey, just one for one on one this week. Again, just like Hunter Henry, this happens with tight ends. There are very few sure things in this life. Don't go getting upset about tight end target shares. Yeah. Um, well, the one thing is the sure thing is Gronk. That's what it is. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. Bar- Death Texas Gronk. Yeah. Um, if Gronk is playing uh, for the Patriots, he is playing for your fantasy team. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, certainly you're starting Cream Hunt. Uh, for for those of you that got him late, uh, if you drafted before Spencer Ware went down, congrats. Uh, you're probably going to win your league, uh, assuming you don't screw something up horribly. Um, and as you said, you know, you're you're going right back to Travis Kelsey. Uh, these things happen. He's still one of the key pieces in this offense. Um, and then Tyree Kill, I wouldn't put him as a as a wide receiver one necessarily, but I think he's a mid end wide receiver too with a lot of upside. Um, I don't think Josh Norman will shadow, but the the Washington defense played really well against Derek Carr and the Raiders, and I, I think they're going to keep playing pretty good ball. Um, but that said, Tyreek only needs one or two touches to to get that big play, and uh, you're certainly still starting him. Uh, I can't imagine a ton of you have better options than him. No, sir. Uh, give me the Kansas City Chefs at home. Yeah, I will take, uh, I think the Chiefs and the Falcons were, will both continue to be undefeated after week four. There we go. Uh, no buy teams this week. We will uh, start to get into that this coming next week. Want to talk to us about a few uh, streaming options at quarterback? Yeah, you know, one thing, um, I know Jay Cutler didn't do too hot against the Jets last week, but again, like I said, crazy things happen in London and this New Orleans Saints defense is historically bad. Jay Cutler, 38% owned, uh, still worth a streaming option at quarterback if you have a need there. And then also Tyrod Taylor at Atlanta, 41% owned. Um, I do think that he's actually having a a decent game here. I think they're going to need to um, go back and forth here with the Atlanta offense, uh, being slowed down a little bit by the Buffalo defense, but still putting up quite a few points at home. All right. And if you are using a tight end streaming sort of technique, which I I employ in a few of my leagues, here are my top tight end streamers for this week. In the order I uh, say them, my top tight end streamer, Jesse James at Baltimore. Like we said, uh, like I said, Baltimore allows a lot of production to the tight end. Uh, Number two, Martellus Bennett, despite not looking great, there's that uh, that matchup versus the former team, the team that made him, the team that that uh, that torched his heart or something like that. I don't know. He's a very emotional sort of guy. It's 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 sort of sort of makes me want to puke, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, number three, Kobe Fleener for me at Miami, I think is in in line for a decent amount of work. And then number four, Jared Cook at Denver, uh, as we talked about before, looked good this week. Uh, Denver's beatable by the tight end. But, you know, he does get those drops in. So fourth on the list for me. 
Yeah, and I mentioned before, the only one I don't particularly agree with there is Kobe Fleener, uh, especially with Willie Sneed coming back this week. There we go. All right, uh, let's move on to the injury updates. Los, you want to take us through some injuries here? Sure, Sam Bradford, that same bone bruise week to week. We'd like to see him back sooner than later. And when he gets back, this Minnesota team will be all the better for it. Very nice to see Case Keenum fill in very well. That other quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, knee injury report is he'll be back by week seven. Uh, more more interesting for two quarterback or super flex type leagues. I do like him as the second uh, best quarterback on that team to Sam Bradford. Andrew Luck, it's time to start looking in the Andrew Luck stock. Uh, first early word is that he may all also be back and ready by week seven uh, monitor his continued progress on the practice field if you have an IR slot and trouble at quarterback or even not trouble at quarterback and don't want to use it on anybody else I think he's a good bet he's a good guy to use it on given the struggles of a lot of quarterbacks this year yeah um, I think <coughs> sorry excuse me there um, again, uh, Andrew Luck might be on your waiver wires, so um, if you do need help at quarterback, that might be worth a preemptive pickup as well. As for the running backs, Darren Sproles ended his season with that torn ACL and broken arm, unfortunately. Uh, maybe an end to a very long career. Uh, difficult to rehab all those things. He's made a good deal of money. He's 34, I think. Um, this may be too tough a mountain to climb, and why bother if you're not winning a Super Bowl, right? Uh, Matt Forte injured his toe. Sounds minor. Should be able to play this coming week. Uh, Derek Henry with a quad contusion should also be able to heal up. And Melvin Gordon also with a bone bruise on his knee. He should be fine. This guy's a trooper. He's a stud. He's a warrior. He is a champion. Well, he's not a champion. He's on the Chargers. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah, um, certainly. Uh... You know, Brandon Oliver, we mentioned someone to keep on your watch list if anything were to happen to Melvin Gordon. Um, and then certainly we'll talk about Bilal Powell uh, as the 1B right now to Matt Forte in just a second on the waiver wire ads. In terms of our injured wide receivers for this week, Doug Baldwin with a groin strain. Considered not serious. We saw the Gronk come back very quickly from a groin strain, but I don't know if Doug Baldwin has quite as strong of a groin as the Gronk does. Um, very exercised, very worked out, and on the TB12 diet. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin with a knee sprain. Not sure yet, but possibly out one week or more. Uh, may consider Devin Funches or finding a different option altogether to fill in there. And then Randall Cobb, shoulder week to week. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play here this week as well. Yeah, especially Randall Cobb. Again, uh, we mentioned this last week on the podcast. He struggled with that shoulder injury last year, um, and he didn't even practice at all last week. So I think on this short week, especially playing Thursday night, the Packers may choose to sit him again just to get him fully healthy. As for our tight ends, Jordan Reed with that sternoclavicular sprain, um, the, the, your collarbone, your rib cage, very, very painful when there's any issues there. I was actually surprised he wasn't able to... Uh, suit up and go this week, meaning the pain is unbearable. Um, that can heal slowly. This is a guy who's had a lot of bumps and bruises, a lot of injuries. It's just as the sort of guy, sort of career he's had thus far. Um, hopefully he can avoid the concussion bug that seemed to plague him early in his career. I wish him well. He's on my teams. I like him. Hope he comes back. Uh, Tyler Eifert hurt his back, of course, as we knew, out multiple weeks, started the season like this. Sounds like it's going to be at least four-plus weeks. You can go ahead and drop him or, of course, stash him in your IR if there's no better options available to you. Yeah, and just real quick, um, 
a couple guys that we forgot to mention going over the running backs. Just Samaj P. Ryan with that hand injury, and then Rob Kelly with that um, rib cartilage injury. Uh, it sounds like uh, Kelly may be ready this week, and then we're really not sure yet on P. Ryan's injury. Uh, it depends on the severity of that. We're still awaiting more news, but certainly uh, something, uh, you know, if Chris Thompson is still a free agent in your league, uh, he might be worth a pickup despite these long touchdowns being unsustainable. Um, just depending on the health of these other Redskins running backs right now. Certainly good information there. Uh, as for some free agent ads for this week, there's a few few decent uh, wi- uh, running backs sitting in some leagues. We just talked about the Washington situation. Chris Thompson's owned in 76% of leagues, so that means 24% of you out there can still grab a guy who's getting the bulk of the carries and may have no other running backs on his team to get the football right now. Uh, Wendell Smallwood, only 5% owed and played 50% of the offensive snaps yesterday after Darren Sproles went down. He is in a committee with Blunt, and I would not pay hefty money for him, but he is available to you. Uh, Bilal Powell, 65% owned. Forte is healthy for now. High-end running back two with upside in PPR when Forte misses time, but he has not been getting the the, uh, passing attempts that he has in the past. I don't know if Josh McCown just doesn't know what he's doing. I think that's probably a good bet. Uh, Doug Martin will be back very shortly. If he went undrafted, if he's unowned, that's nuts. He needs to be 100% owned. He is only 82% owned right now. Quiz has not solidified the job like we may have thought he could have shown something. He had five yards this last week. That's not going to steal a job from Doug Martin in his absence. Final running back, we'll talk about Jamal Williams, 11% owned. There's no real look or or. There's no real reason to believe he's going to take the job right now from what Green Bay has indicated, but Ty Montgomery, not good in pass protection, which Aaron Rodgers needs desperately and needed desperately versus Cincinnati. Um, if, if they're going to, if they're going to take Ty out of there, Jamal Williams will get the job. Yeah. And actually one more note too, on uh, Jamal Williams. Um, the reason I, I have him stashed in a couple leagues is, is, you know, partly for the pass protection too, but Uh, Ty Montgomery has been playing 90-95% of snaps in games right now, and um, clearly he's healthy right now, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to withstand that kind of workload for an entire season. It's only week three, and he's already playing so much, and you got to keep in mind, too, he does have that sickle cell trait, and he's been healthy up, up to this point, but we've seen guys like John Brown who have the similar issue um, you know, have one soft tissue injury, and then it takes weeks and weeks and weeks for them to recover from that, um, as well as, you know, increasing the chances of re-injury. I think Jamal Williams is one of those guys who might win your league for you uh, if anything were to happen to Ty Montgomery. Does Green Bay pay, play Denver at all this year? I'm not sure. That that would that'd be an interesting thing to look at. Oh, you mean if they travel to that altitude? Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. that would – I mean, that that's what makes it, you know – a better chance for it to trigger and the cells to start sickling. You want to give me one second. Let me check that real quick. No, I, I do not believe they played Denver this, uh, this year, unless they were to, to meet in the Super Bowl. All right, but still it is possible. Mm-hmm, correct. All right. Want to tell us about a couple wide receivers? Yeah, and we, we talked about these guys already going over our game-to-game previews, but Willie Sneed, 74% owned. He's a guy who could step right in and be a wide receiver three or flex option for you. Drew Brees and that offense certainly could use some more weapons right now. 
Um, and certainly there's plenty of uh, high-scoring game scripts given how poorly that defense has been playing. Um, he's only 74% owned. And then Geronimo Allison uh, for the Packers, too, uh, only 9% owned. Again, a lot of his production last week was that last play that really was not garbage time, but kind of fluky. Um, but again, if Randall Cobb's shoulder injury were to be a more long-term thing, Geronimo Allison certainly um, starting to earn Rodgers' trust playing from the slot. And anyone on that Green Bay Packers passing offense has high upside week to week. We've seen it year to year. Guys fill in, guys put up points in that Rodgers offense. Yeah, and then one tight end to mention, you know, I've mentioned my disdain for Jared Cook, but certainly he's seeing, you know, over 20% target share. So um, maybe not even a streamer at this point. If you're in a deeper league or there's just no tight ends out there, uh, Cook's certainly um, worth a waiver wire ad. I believe right now in Yahoo leagues, Jared Cook is only, uh, I think, 40% owned. So less than more than half uh, of leagues, you can still grab him. You got to get somebody. Hope it isn't Ed Dixon. <laughs> yeah, certainly hope not. Right. All right. And that is going to wrap up our week three recap and week four preview show. Um, hopefully you guys got some good nuggets of info that you can use against your opponents. And hopefully your teams are 3-0. But as we always say, it doesn't matter. Even if you're 0-3, we are still pretty early on in the season. Anything can happen as long as you make it to the playoffs. Certainly don't give up just yet if your teams are underperforming. Uh, there's plenty of games to play, and there's plenty of talent on the waiver wire. So keep trucking, and as always, if you have more specific questions for us, you can always reach us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I'm at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S. You can also find us on uh soundcloud in the google play store and in the itunes store if that's not where you found us already go ahead and click subscribe so that this uh, next week's episode automatically downloads for you you don't have to go searching you don't have to go looking you don't have to go digging it's right there two finger swipes away two finger swipes uh just like uh you know match with somebody on tinder match with us on the itunes podcasting app there we go. We'll uh, we'll super like some wins for you or whatever happens <laughs> on Tinder. All right. As always, good luck next week. Good luck this coming week. Good luck with your waiver wire ads. And it is a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. God bless America, and thanks, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.